Uh, well, good morning to each of you. It's good to be with you uh, this morning in, in the flesh, as they say. Brad, I'll never be able to look at a head of lettuce in the same way again in my life. So thank you for that mental image. I got to be honest, it's a little strange thinking that I am possibly live right now in someone's living room. That's something I never thought I would be saying, so hi, person in living room. Hi, mom. Love you. Um, I'm telling you, this new theme is going to uh, take some time getting used to. On a more serious note, though, um, many of you are probably aware of the death, the shooting and death of Walter Wallace in Philadelphia and the ensuing protest that's been happening in Philadelphia. I don't want to suggest that I know the full story, because I certainly don't. But I am deeply saddened when life is lost, when someone loses a father, a son, a husband, a friend, and how that impacts a community. Um, And I lament the life that is lost, uh, wherever that is and whoever that is. Desmond Tutu once said, There comes a point where we need to stop just pulling people out of the river. We need to go upstream and find out why they're falling in. So the task of asking why and how these things happen in our world are really important questions to be asking. Asking why and how we police, asking why and how we deal with mental health in our nation and across the world are important questions that we need to ask if there is going to be change happening in our world. And it's the same with how we respond to violence, Uh, whether uh, if there is violence happening after violence, I don't think that solves things, and we need to be asking why these things are happening. And so this morning, I just want to simply say, Lord, have mercy on us, on our nation, on the world around us, and may his kingdom come soon. Um, Amen. Uh, We just finished a sermon series called Draw Near, where we were looking at how each of us have natural or more comfortable ways of connecting with God, Um, and it was called uh, Spiritual Pathways. And if you haven't taken the opportunity to fill out the brief assessment, which I didn't check if it's still on the website, but I'm assuming it is, on our website, I would really encourage you to do so. And I just want to point out, it's not about putting you in a box. It's not saying this is who you are. It's not saying this is the only way you connect with God, but it's helping you to understand uh, how you have been formed, your personality, how you've been shaped, and ways that come more naturally and should therefore be helping you to connect with God. Today we're kicking off a new sermon series which is kind of connected, and it's called Why I Don't Pray. But what it's really talking about is two things. Number one is what gets in the way of prayer? And then two, what practices could you start to encourage or refresh prayer? So one, what gets in the way of prayer? And two, what practices could you start to encourage or refresh prayer? I'm going to begin by reading from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 11, verses 1-4, and then jumping down 9-13. You're welcome to pull out a physical Bible. Um, I'm a bit like Derek, if you heard him preach, where I love the feeling of things and the smell of books. Um, And so you can pull out a Bible. It's going to be on the screen, or you can just listen. All are legit options. So, reading from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 11, verse 1. He, Jesus, was praying in a certain place, and after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. 
Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone indebted to us. And do not bring us to the time of trial. Jumping to verse 9. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Search and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks receives. And everyone who searches finds. And for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Is there anyone among you who, if your child asks for a fish, will give a snake instead of a fish? Or if the child asks for an egg, will give a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? I've always found it very interesting how little Jesus says about prayer. Even here in the text we just read, uh, the disciples asked Jesus how he should pray, and Jesus gives us this very short prayer that we, a little longer in Matthew's gospel, that we call the Lord's Prayer. And here I am, I'm thinking this is a great opportunity for Jesus to go into this big explanation about prayer, so I know how to do it right, and he doesn't. He does say there is an assumption that we are praying, that his followers pray. He says, when you pray. So Jesus is assuming that we pray. And we see this elsewhere in the New Testament. I just want to give you a couple examples. It says in 1 Thessalonians, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. Colossians 4, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And we actually know that Jesus prays pretty regularly. It tells us in the Gospels often that he goes away by himself or with a few disciples to pray. Uh, He's praying in this text we just read, and and earlier in the book of uh, Luke 6, he goes to a mountain and it says he prays all night uh, to God, his Father. But even then, we aren't told very much about how Jesus prays or what Jesus prays for. And I've kind of wondered if that means that prayer is in some sense natural or intuitive, that it's really not that complicated for us. Uh, Richard Foster beautifully says, simple prayer involves ordinary people bringing ordinary concerns to a loving and compassionate Father. Ordinary people bringing ordinary concerns to a loving and compassionate Father. That doesn't sound that complicated. And it also seems that there's no quote-unquote right way to do prayer that it's shaped by our personalities, by what's most immediate in our lives or the world or whatever stage of life we're in. But there are clear examples of what prayer includes. And if you were to look at the book of James, chapter 5, 13, 16, we see things like healing, intercession, praise, confession, forgiveness. Another example which is a bit more difficult for us humans is when Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane, we see him kneeling, crying out to his Father, if there's a way to take away this cup, his death, then please do so. But if not, your will be done. So we see submitting. One of my favorites, because it's so difficult, is in uh, Matthew 5, it says, pray for those who persecute you. Wow, that is so difficult to do. And then a version of prayer that I don't think we often use particularly is the Psalms, um, which is often about lament and a call for help. And I just want to read a Psalm. Sorry if that's translation. I can't get that. Psalm, Psalm, Psalm. Uh, So Psalm 13. Uh, I just want you to listen to, I, I don't pray this way very often, the desperation, the pain that exists. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I bear pain in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all day long? 
How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep the sleep of death. And my enemy will say, I have prevailed. My foes will rejoice because I am shaken. But I trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. So there's many different ways of praying that's highlighted in Scripture. And it's something that we're called to do and encouraged to do. And I would guess that you wouldn't, that there's not too many Christians who would disagree that prayer is not important. I have personally not bumped into too many Christians who've said, no, I don't think it's important to pray. However, I have bumped into numerous Christians, myself included, that at different stages of their lives haven't been praying have been stuck in prayer, or who have continued to pray because they want to be faithful and obedient, but they're not quite sure why or what they're doing. What we would often call going through the motions. I imagine that possibly like me, there are things that get in the way of prayer in your life, or even a sense of guilt that I don't pray enough. My experience is there's this internal struggle of knowing that I am beloved by God, saved by God, and yet I don't always know if my prayer is right or good. That there's this internal struggle about feeling the need to get a task done, to make it about me and my ability to control it, which is so human. And yet, paradoxically, so we know that prayer is about communicating with God, about coming, bringing our concerns, and it's not about getting a task done. And yet, paradoxically, we are called to faithfulness and obedience. And I struggle with that internal conflict from time to time. So what are a few possible reasons that get in the way of praying? A few weeks ago, Pastor Carl um, was paraphrasing Pastor Andley Stanley, that's a mouthful, uh, when we started the uh, Draw Near series about the, the um, if you think about it, how strange Christianity is because it's a relationship with an invisible God. And I don't know about you, but I have no other relationships that are invisible in my life. Maybe you had an invisible friend as a child or pet or monster or whatever, and I just didn't. So it's really unusual to think about having a relationship with something that's invisible. And I think prayer is in much the same way. It's a little odd because it's communicating. It's a relationship with an invisible being, at least invisible in the sense that there's no physical form standing in front of me. And we know that prayer is communicating with God, Um, But let's be honest, it's a lot easier to communicate and have a relationship with a physical person in front of you who is therefore responding back and forth to you in real time and in ways that you definitely know it's it's them. Um, So that might be a reason, something that gets in the way of prayer for you. Another possible thing that might get in the prayer is a distorted image of God. And that can look a different number of ways. So if your image of God is a God who's very high up, because we always put heaven up there, and he's very distant from us, and God created the world, and then this is going to blow younger people's minds, you used to have to wind a clock up with a key. I don't know how you've ever kept time. But um, you had to wind a clock. If God wound the clock, he created the world and wind it up with the key, and then just let it run then God's not really interested in the world. It's just going the way it's meant to go. And if God is involved, it's haphazardly. So God's not really interested. He's kind of just watching. Uh, Occasionally he pops in and then pops out again. Um, He's not really listening to our prayers because they don't really do anything. 
Um, If that's your image of God, then prayer probably doesn't really work. You don't know that it's making any difference. Or if God is, is an angry old dude, which is a classic version, up in the sky, and he's just watching you, waiting for you to trip up, or even causing you to trip up so he can punish you, then you're probably praying just out of fear. Or to stay in God's good graces, it's a task that must be completed. And if I was that person, I would be emotionally, an emotional aversion to prayer because it's just an angry uh, guy in the sky. Or if your image of God is what I like to call a divine gumball machine, a divine gumball machine, where God is a tool to employ, a force to control, and a resource to plunder, then prayer is about getting God to do what you want God to do. It's about making sure you do it in the right way, so you've got to put your quarter in or however much a gumball machine is now. You've got to turn the knob in the right way, and you get what you want out of it. So God is primarily about getting uh, God to do whatever you want and not really a relationship. Don't get me wrong, I believe that we should be bringing our concerns to God, and obviously we want God to answer those concerns for us. But as Pastor Brian Zand rightly says, The primary purpose of prayer is not to get God to do what you want him to do, but to be properly formed. So not about getting God to do what you want God to do, but to be properly formed. I had a friend growing up, and my friend's mother used to always pray as she was entering a car park to get a parking space. She used to always pray, Lord, I need a parking space. But it was always because she was late. And I was always thinking, I know that God cares deeply about our ability to make appointments, but you're always late. It's your fault. God is not a, uh, a being to call on when you just need a car parking space, um, when you could just leave five or ten minutes earlier than you need to to get there. And so when I was thinking about this divine gumball machine, I automatically thought of my friend's mother. Um, sorry. Um, maybe there's something else that gets in the way of prayer for you. Uh, And I really encourage you to be paying attention to that and thinking about it. But what immediately came to my mind was interruptions and distractions. So let me paint you a picture, okay? It's dinner time in the McQuitty household. We've successfully wrestled three wee weans, three small children, into their seats. We don't have three children called wean. Uh, We just call small children weans in Northern Ireland. Um, So we've successfully wrestled our three small children into their seats. Their sleeves are up. The bib is on the baby. The food has been heat tested to make sure it's at the optimum temperature for consumption because it cannot be too hot. The milk is poured, but not too full, just in case there's a spill, because that often happens. And we're all finally sitting at the table. I begin, Lord Jesus. By the way, at least one child has already started eating. We give thanks for the gracious gift of food. I don't like this food. Did you try it? No. How do you know? I just don't like it. Okay, let's continue praying, and then we can talk about it. We praise you for ma, ma, ma. That's Neve, by the way, who yells ma very loudly when she wants something, and it doesn't matter if you're her mother or not. Yes, beautiful. Jibber, jabber, jibber. Daddy. Why don't you pray? Then I pray. Then Elias. Then Mummy. Then Nevi. Okay. You get my over-exaggerated point. That praying with three small children, five and under, is not the most easy task to do. 
There are multiple interruptions and distractions, and it's difficult even to keep your train of thought. I've found myself praying the same thing three times only because I just can't keep up with the continued interruptions. And it's very hard to get past just general prayers of gratitude. Now, I in no way, at least for my family, want to communicate that there's really anything wrong with this scene. Yes, it's full of interruptions and distractions, but at least it's a gift because our kids are involved in prayer with us. They might always not know when to speak at the appropriate time, uh, but it's a gift that they're involved in that we're actually able to sit at the table together. And let's be honest, who would be covering unicorns, dinosaurs, and jibber-jabber in prayer if it wasn't for my kids? So, it's important. It's full of interruptions and distractions. But the important thing is it couldn't be the full extent of my prayer life. If that was the only time I ever prayed, all I would ever get out was, uh, thank you for the food, amen. Um, And so, it can't just be those moments. So, clearly at my stage of life, it's pretty unlikely or it's more challenging to think that I'm going to find 30 minutes, an hour, 10 minutes, uh, of complete silence to be able to sit down and pray, unless I do that. Or that family prayer is not going to have children behaving like children. Um, That's just not going to happen. So there might be other multiple distractions in life. As much as I wish this Jiffet thing wasn't a distraction in my life, it is. Whether you spend time on here on TikTok, YouTube, uh, social media, whatever you're doing, it's a major distraction in my life. So much that they've like got a phantom vibration thing where you've got your phone in your pocket, you think it vibrated because your brain wants a nice little hit, but it didn't actually vibrate, and you still look at it and then get distracted. So it takes up time. It might be TV. You might watch too much sport on TV. It might even be family and friends or even work. None of these things are bad, and we know that, right? It's just that they can get in the way. They can take up too much of our time. They can make us tired. And then we end up squeezing prayer out of our lives because these other things take up a space in our lives to get in the way. So I'm just asking you to think about what are things that get in the way of prayer for you? They may be different than mine. So we've named what can get in the way of prayer, but what can refresh prayer? And this is really obvious, but I think it's still valuable to say that what I'm about to say is about me. It's about how I'm refreshed and encouraged in prayer. It does not mean that it's a model for you to recreate in your life. It might connect with you, but really what I'm hoping is to share stories that therefore be, you start thinking about what, is, uh, in, what may become um, refreshing or encouraging in prayer for you. This is where I personally find the, the spiritual pathways really helpful. So my top three are intellect, traditionalist, and activist. Intellect, traditionalist, an activist. The intellect is someone who connects with God through their mind. So I really enjoy studying. I love learning new things. I love uh, reading things that are pushing the boundaries of what I know and understand about God. And in those moments, that's my most excited self. I might even go, oh. And if you pass by my office, the chair might even go back. That's how excited I am. Now, if you're an enthusiast, um, that will not look like joy or celebration. Enthusiast is my least uh, high score pathway. It's at the very lowest. But I promise you, inside, I am literally dancing. It just doesn't have an outward expression other than, oh, so good. (laughs) The reason is because it stimulates my mind. 
It gets me thinking about God. It gets me communicating with God, about thinking about God's nature, about who I am in light of God, what's happening in the world in light of God. And I find myself then, therefore, praying about those things. The issue is obvious. It's very easy for me to get stuck in my head, right? It's very easy for me to only be studying, only to be thinking, and not actually to be, uh, or for that to be the primary purpose or joy rather than the actual relationship with God. And when it comes to prayer, then I find myself thinking about needing to get the right words or the right beliefs expressed, because those things are really important to me. And I think they are important. I think the words we use, uh, the beliefs we express, tell us about who we understand God to be, who we understand ourselves to be, and who we understand, or what we understand the world to be. Uh, But it can't be the completeness of of prayer. Uh, And it can get in the way when I get stuck in my head. Um, Now, here's something really important. And when the pastor, preacher, person says it's really important, you know you got to listen. We are not just one pathway. I've named three. We are not just one pathway. And actually, we're probably part of all of them because they're just part of being human, how God has created us. We're not just one pathway. And in my experience, I've found that the other pathways uh, either counteract or support my other pathways. So what do I mean? So I've already told you I'm an intellect. My second is a traditionalist, which means I tend to enjoy uh, like spiritual tradition and ritual, uh, and those things are, are enjoyable to me. I've found that because I'm an intellect and because I can end up thinking about needing to get the words right and getting the, the, the beliefs expressed in the right way, that, that a traditionalist pathway helps me to concentrate on my relationship with God. So for example, in prayer, I find written prayers really helpful and refreshing because I don't have to think about the words. I don't have to come up with them. I, do, I may be thinking, are these good words? But I don't have to create them. I don't have to think about how they should be structured. And that allows me to then be simply present with God. So I just really enjoy uh, um, written prayers. I also find it pretty refreshing to use a book of prayer uh, that has structured prayers in the morning and in the evening and even at dinner time, at lunchtime or mealtimes prayers. I find those things releasing uh, me to not have to think about the intellectual part of my brain and to be uh, connected to God. I also find it helpful to remember short prayers um, that then create mental vocabulary for me. One of them that I often say uh, is, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on us. And I just repeat that because it creates mental vocabulary for me and it's, it's part of God. Then I don't have to think about getting the words right so much. Now that may not be refreshing to you. It may be quite the opposite. It may sound dry and mechanical or even bring back bad childhood memories if you grew up in a very liturgical church. But for me, for the construction of my pathways, for my personality, for my stage of life, it's just really refreshing for me. Earlier, I told you about the nature of interruptions with three small children in my house. So you've got to get creative how you're going to find some silence in your life. I now love mowing the grass. It's the best thing in the world. I would do it weekly if the grass would grow fast enough. It creates this window of time where I have no children at all, generally. I do pay attention because they could run in front of me, but they're generally not around. 
And it creates this window for me to be thinking and praying and connecting with God. And that's like a solid 30 minutes. Uh, so that's, uh, I now love mowing. I also walk to work most days. Um, some of you have lovely, graciously tried to pick me up when it's raining. Uh, I'm purposefully walking because it creates a moment of silence for me. It's about a mile uh, for me to walk. Um, because I'm an intellect, you'll often see me with headphones on and I'm, and I'm listening to a podcast because I love podcasts. You learn highly fascinating stuff on podcasts, and I can't recommend them enough. Um, so I listen to podcasts, and it really connects with the intellectual uh, part of my way of connecting with God. But obviously, listening to podcasts is not prayer. It's maybe part of it, but it's not prayer. But I often listen to podcasts that are about things like, that interest me, connected to God. So things like justice and ethics and the nature of the church. And I find that those things connect then with the pathway of activist. And therefore, they create these, uh, these brain sparks that then allow me to be praying about specific things. So listening to the podcast then creates opportunities for me to pray. It inspires me and leads me to be, to be praying and communicating with God about what is happening in the world and how sometimes I'm overwhelmed and I feel helpless and disappointed by the state of the world we live in. I lament and petition God for it to be changing. I confess how I'm part of the system sometimes, the issue and ask for forgiveness. And I try to listen, which I don't always do very well because my brain ticks quite a lot. Um, But I try to listen to see if God is saying something back to me about how I'm part of the solution or where God's directing me or what it looks like for God's kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven and how I'm part of that. I remember when I was a teenager, I came to faith when I was 17, I think, and I was at like a youth rally thing, and they encouraged us to be silent for two hours. Two hours. Uh, That when you pray, that prayer is primarily about listening to God, which I don't disagree with, but two hours. Um, I was 17, and I just knew in that moment that sitting in silence was not the thing that was going to directly connect me with God. Um, And I remember that. So I try silence, but silence is difficult for me because of my intellect. It doesn't mean I should ignore it. It means I should work at it because I really should be listening to God and not just talking to God. Um, But we're, we're created in different ways. We have different personalities, different pathways, and that's about helping us find ways that connect us well with God. So I encourage and I challenge you, one, to think about what's getting in the way of prayer for you. Is it a distorted image of God? Is it interruptions and distractions? Are you too busy? Do you think that prayer doesn't work? Is that what's getting in the way of prayer for you? To think about, and then number two, to think about what practices you could do that would encourage or refresh prayer for you. So take the spiritual pathways test and find out what pathway you are. If you're too busy, cut some things out of your life. If you're in a tractor or you're driving to work, use the radio as an opportunity to listen about what's happening in the world and pray for it. And I don't mean pray for the cowboys or the eagles. The Lord cannot help those teams. I can say that because I don't support any team. Um, But use it as a way to inspire what you're praying about or turn it off. 
and pray or listen. And disclaimer, please don't close your eyes or take your hands off the wheel. I promise God hears you when your eyes are open and you're not looking at the floor or the ceiling. So take opportunities to create ways to pray. Try a new way of praying. Not everyone is designed, like I said, for an hour of silence. If your pathway is not contemplative, then that's not going to come supernatural to you. So you might want to think about uh, walking around your neighborhood and praying, doing, connecting it with a physical activity, or if you need to diddle. Um, doodle is so underrated. Um, it's such a helpful way of form of uh, helping you to listen at the same time as you're doing something. Uh, because most of us, our brain goes somewhere else and doodling helps us concentrate. So walk around your neighborhood. Find a way to pray that's encouraging and refreshing. And I leave you with the most important thing I can say. Remember that you're beloved by God, saved by God, And praying is communicating with the one who already loves you deeply.